0: This is what I've seen in the four weeks since infection. People killing people, which is much what I saw in the four weeks before infection and the four weeks before that and before that, as far back as I care to remember. People killing people, which to my mind puts us in a state of normality right now.
1: Welcome again to Troglodyte Harbor and Cult Film Review Podcast. I am Loki Jesse, going alone today, and we are going to be talking about 28 Days Later. Now, before we get into the film, I gotta say this is going to be a different set of a format tonight or today, wherever you're listening to right now in the world, wherever you are. We are mixing this up because after watching this film, there is so much I want to go into and things I want to talk about and things that may be a little controversial and you may you may agree or disagree, you may not like what I'm going to say, that's fine, but after seeing this film, these thoughts came into my head and I just really want to try and do a deep dive into this film. So if you enjoy how this format is, please let me know if you like this kind of format because... I will be doing this style for some films, films that I find that have more of a deeper meaning or a deeper feel to them, and that require a deep, th- a deep dive more than just um, a standard uh, review of fun and games. So there won't be that much fun or laughing going around, but we'll try to do the best that we can here. <laughs> we I, I have multiple personalities all of a sudden. No. Okay, so we're talking about 28 days later, and I gotta say this was the first time I seen this film. I have never seen this film. I didn't see it when it came got released back in um, 2002. It just never crossed my mind. and I'm sorry, it is 2003, so in the UK, it got released in November 1st, 2002. But in the U.S., we got it in June 27th, 2003. So this film is about 20 years or 19 years, depending on how you do the math. But still, it's nearly close to 20 years or over 20 years. And I gotta say, this film really packed an impact. Really bad. Really made an impact on me. First. Again. First time watching. And. I just saw this film again. uh, Before I started recording. Because I just wanted to. um, Make sure that. It still had that. Feel and that impact. Of what I felt the first time. I. Felt when I saw it. So. Let's get into it. So. So. At this point, I'm going to summarize the film, give a whole bunch of spoilers out there. So if you have not seen this film, you could go ahead and stop and come back and listen to to me. Or if you've already seen the film, just keep on playing and let's get into this, shall we? So 28 Days Later starts with a group of activists breaking into a lab that is under Manchester. Is it Manchester? I gotta look at my notes. It is in the... Let me see. This is real time, people. Real time happening right here. Okay, it is a secret lab under Great Britain. They don't really say where it is. They just say Great Britain. So, these activists break into this lab and they take pictures and they see animals, mostly chimpanzees, chimpanzees are being in uh, clear cages there's one that is operated on and there's one that is being um, forced to watch all this violence on various tvs now the activists um, they don't know what's going on so then they start releasing the animals a lone scientist um, stumbles upon them and he tries to run to set the alarm they stop him and He begs them not to release the animals. He begs them. He tells them. They forcefully tell him, like, what happened? Like, what are they doing? And him, in his horror and shock, is trying to explain, but he is not making himself clear about what is happening. He just keeps saying they're infected. And then when he finally does say about what they're infected in, they don't really take him as serious. He says that they're infected with rage. That they've been experimenting on them by making them go back to their most primal state of instinct, which is rage. And they don't listen to him. So one of the girls in the group opens one of the cages and she gets attacked by the chimpanzee. She is bitten. The scientist says that they have to kill her before it spreads. Because this virus can trans can basically trans transmute or transfer. It could just you can get infected by either getting spit on or the blood. So if any of the infected person gets the blood, like gets bitten, they're infected. If they swallow the blood somehow, they get infected. If just like any portion, like when it comes to a bite or a blood, tr- a, some type of a blood transfusion, there I'm acting infected, and the transformation takes 20 seconds. So that was basic. That is the intro to the film. And then we cut to a black screen with the title card "28 Days Later." Dot dot dot, and we come to our main protagonist, which is Jim, who is in a hospital bed. He wakes up from a deep coma. And he stumbles around the hospital. Trying to figure out what is happening around him. He finds. As he's looking through the the hospital. He notices that it's all empty. There's no one in sight. He goes downstairs. He automatically uh, drinks a soda. From the open vending machine. Because obviously he is thirsty. And it appears that he. And it's not picked up later on in the film or maybe it's not really mentioned that much but it seems like he's kind of diabetic but it doesn't really get followed up on again he is all alone he is wandering through london um there is nobody there it is completely empty and then he goes to the only place that he can go to um for some type of of reassurance or sanctuary which is a church when he goes into the church he is shocked by what he sees especially like in the altar and the pubes where there is like a hundred of people dead on the floor he makes a sound which basically at least three people that are there and alive notice him they start chasing him chasing him he backs away And then he notices like somebody running from the side of the building and through the doorway he sees a priest. So naturally he assumes that he is safe because of a priest. But then the priest starts running after him and he knocks the priest down with his bag of sodas. He then escapes from the church and he's running down the street. It is there that he meets uh, two other survivors, Selena and Mark. They help him escape by setting off a huge explosion at a gas station. And they take shelter in um, in a subway uh, store. And they explain to him what has happened. And he explains who he is. And he is just basically was just a, a bike messenger. Who got clipped by a car, fell into a coma. And he's been out of commission this whole time. They tell him that how it all started by... First, it was like in villages, the riots, and then it started happening in the cities. And he desperately wants to go home. They tell him that he he can't go home. So he, but they agree to take him. They agree to take him home just the next day because they can't travel at night. So they go to Jim's house the next day, and to his horror, he finds his parents had committed suicide upstairs in the master bedroom. And they died peacefully. They drank some wine and they overdosed on pills. And the father or the mother was holding a, a picture of Jim as a child. And behind the picture it said, Oh, they, lo- uh, with great love. I forgot what the phrase was, but they basically said that they love him. And that they want to let him sleep and they are now sleeping together with him and for him not to wake up mark and selena tried to comfort him more mark than selena but they went out peacefully as mark says and then mark retells a story of how he lost his family by going to the airports and noticing that there was a whole bunch of people there. And people were getting trampled on. The, and infected people were there. And his family was just. He had to climb a whole bunch of bodies to get away. And then he notices that his father and sister. And his family were either dead or infected. So that's Mark's story. Selena, on the other hand is more reserved. And doesn't tell Jim anything. Later that night. Jim is in the kitchen, he lights a candle and he starts remembering he starts remembering this moment that he had with his family with his mom coming back from his grocery store as the father walking in. It's a happy moment that Jim is remembering and he starts to get emotional, but that is broken because the infected people break into the house because they notice that the candle light is there. So they break in, Mark and Selena go into action, they kill the infected people, but Mark has a scratch on his arm. So then Selena, without any question, automatically kills Mark. Just like that. No remorse, no nothing. She kills him. As Selena and Jim make their way out to the city, she be- bluntly tells him that this is how it is. That they need to survive. That there is no cure. That they are not going to fall in love. And just fuck. That is it. This is the world. And her only purpose is to survive. They come across a building. From a distance. That has Christmas lights on. They go in to investigate. And they find. The other characters to the story. Which is a father Frank. And his daughter Hannah. They invite him into their home Frank. Is somewhat overjoyed to have him there. So he breaks out the champagne. Well, the good drink. I don't know if it's champagne or not. And the glasses. And they celebrate that moment of finding people. And he takes them in. The next day, he shows them. Shows Jim mostly. Probably Selena too. But he's not in the screen. But he shows Jim how he is basically collecting water. And what he's what they've been doing to survive these past four weeks, but he knows that the resources there are very limited. He plays for them the radio broadcasts about a military base on on the on another side of the country of the UK country because it's all happening in the UK. For those who haven't watched the film or have watched it, and I don't bring it up, but yes, so they all reluctantly agreed to go to this military base. On the way there, they stop by a grocery store and they get supplies. Now, this is a moment where they all start to come together and enjoy themselves. So then they go to a field where they have a picnic. And again, the bonding, the process and everything is happening so well for them. That even Frank tells them to look at this beautiful scenery. With just a group of horses that are just running around as a family and the bond between them all strengthens especially at later that night when Jim who is having a nightmare and Frank wakes him up just to comfort him Jim without realizing his Frank calls him dad because he thinks it's his dad so then the next day they make it to the the outpost and it's all destroyed. It's all completely destroyed. So then Frank, in a bit of rage and frustration, like lashes out. And as he's looking up at one of the corpses on the above, a crow is picking at it. And without anybody else noticing a drop of blood falls into his eye socket and he gets infected. He tells his daughter that he's sorry that he screamed at her and to stay away. And that uh, he always, he'll always love her. Um, she doesn't understand. He forcibly tells her to stay away. He starts turning. Jim is shocked, as is Selena. Selena is screaming at him to kill him. Jim hesitates, but just as Frank is about to attack, Frank gets shot. And then we see the soldiers that were around the area hiding out and they shoot Frank to death. The soldiers then take them to their the base, which is a mansion not that far from the outpost. And they are greeted by Major Henry West, who invites them into the, into the mansion, shows Jim around the area, shows them where everything is, how they survive, that they have boilers, they have food, they have running water. And that night, um, they have a big um, dinner as what they could have and they meet all the rest of the soldiers which the rest of the soldiers are and let me get my notes here to get the cast the names because i didn't um, write them down fully but they are greeted well in the dinner table we have sergeant farrow uh corporal mitch private jones clifton bell uh bedford davis and miller miller was one is a soldier that was infected and they keep him out in the back, tied to a chain, sort of like the dog or a rabbit dog, which is pretty terrible. But, um, according to Wes, that they keep him there to study, but to study and learn. But they're only just, um, just gives him like the, gives Jim the, just the, stu- at, no, not really, it, just tells him that, like, oh, we're learning about him being. You know, that he'll never cook, he'll never do this. It's like it's just kind of like terrible that they don't put him out of his misery. But that's what it is. So during the dinner, the Sergeant Farrow Sergeant Farrell is basically being sort of a philosopher. And this is where uh, Wes, Major West, says in a time in a calm manner, that all he sees is just the same that he's seen before the infected. People killing people and it's just a never ending cycle. And then the alarm rings and there's infected people running into the the mansion, but they have landmines, so the soldiers all gather up and just shoot. They shoot all the infected down and they enjoy the carnage and the rub and the just the killing. They just enjoy the killing. And that is where They start showing more of their. Let's just say not so humanity traits. Where they start basically. Hitting on Selena. And Hannah. And that is where in the major study. He basically tells Jim. Flat out like in a calm manner also. In a calm manner he tells Jim. That eight days ago. Like he saw his. He saw Jones. Almost committing suicide. And he stopped him. He stopped all of his men from committing suicide or going crazy by giving them the promise that there will be women, that the future, that there is something to live for, and that is women. And his intentions for Selina and Hannah are to make them their sex slaves. Disgusted, Jim tries to escape with the with the women, but they are stopped by the soldiers. And Wes again offers Jim a place with them, but Jim rejects it, and they take him away, along with Sergeant Farrell, because he also rejects the idea, he sees the barbaric nature that they are going down, and he wants no part of it, the next day, Mitchell and Jones take Jim and Farrell out to be executed, um, Jones, in a state of panic, automatically shoots Pharaoh and Mitchell, while scolding and berating Jones, um, Jim is able to escape. And as he escapes, he realizes that he needs to go back and rescue Selena and Hannah. So back at the mansion, as the soldiers are prepared to rape the girls, well, to rape the women, Jim is able to um, sound the alarm from the blockade, Major West, and I think it was Clifton go to um, investigate, kill Jim, and just get rid of the nuisance. Jim is able to outsmart Clifton, I think that was who was with uh, West, but he's able to outsmart oh, Clifton and leave West behind, disable the Jeep, and then Jim makes it back to the mansion. With the automatic rifle he took from Clifton, he's able to free Miller to use him as a uh, distraction. So Miller breaks into the into the mansion and attacks. Uh, he attacks Jones and I think it was Belford, Belford, or Davis. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't really pay much of attention to the soldiers' names, like I did, except for Mitchell and Jones, because 'cause they're the ones that stood out. So Miller basically takes one soldier out. Jones runs for his life like a coward that he is, and Jim is able to take out another. No, he takes out Jones because Jones runs into the the bayonet on the rifle, and then basically it comes down to Jim attacking Mitchell and killing him, and he. That's when he like goes full. Like barbarian. Like bashing Mitchell's head against the wall. And kidding him by poking his eyes out. He reunites with Selena. With Selena. Hannah not knowing that Jim is rescuing her. Attacks him by hitting him over with a vase. Because she didn't think that that he was. She thought he was infected. But he wasn't. The rest of the soldiers are taken out by those that are infected. They run to the car, and as they open the, as Hannah runs into the driver's side, they open the back seat, and there's West. He calmly tells Jim that he killed his boys. He shoots Jim right there, dead center in the abdomen. And Hannah basically starts driving the car, and again, West calmly tells Hannah to stop. Hannah Basically drives fast and then she backs into the doors of the mansion. And that is when Miller, out of nowhere, comes and attacks the car. He breaks the back window and pulls West. He pulls him out and attacks him or kills him. Selena and Jim get into the car and they race away as West screams, screams in terror until he dies. They escape the mansion by... When well, they escape the mansion, they ram into the gate. And that is where the film stops. And then it picks up 28 days later. With Jim, Hannah, and Selena finding refuge in the country. And you see like glimpses of Selena taking Jim to a hospital and giving him a shot of him, And I guess putting the bullet out of his abdomen. But there in the country they're able to make a sign and as a jet flies over um they're able to make a sign out of clothes that says hello and the film ends with a hopeful just ends hopefully like you know the, the, it ends with hope with a happiness that's 20 days later you know like i said it's a pretty good film now the characters jim played by kelly and murphy of
0: course there's a government there's always a government there in a uh, bunker or a plane. He
1: played it real well. Like, he, we see Jim start off as this. You know, Jim's story arc is one that kind of sounds familiar. It didn't really hit me until later. But, like, just like, it's sort of like he's becoming a man or an adult. Like, you see him, like, all confused, childlike with wonder, and he still had hope hope and a a, you know just like he never lost his hope that things were gonna get better and he just you know starts heartening little by little and it just he changes to the he he just like his whole story arc just changes him completely and selena
0: look if someone gets infected you've got between 10 and 20 seconds to kill them it might be your brother or your sister or your oldest friend. It makes no difference. And just so you know where you stand, if it happens to you, I'll do it in a heart. She
1: also, like her story arc was one of the someone that has seen a lot of death. And just within the span of those four weeks, she just, her only goal was just to survive. Her intentions were to survive. She didn't want anybody with her. If they were going to be with her, it was only going to be one person to not slow her down. If they slowed her down, she was going to leave. That was Selena to begin with. Like, she just didn't give a shit. And it wasn't until she met Jim and his optimism kind of rubbed off on her that she didn't see herself alone anymore. Frank. This
0: is great. It's just great. Of course, a celebration, I'd say. Why well, don't you all sit down and uh and all we got what have we got to offer we are introduced
1: to Frank in the film he is overjoyed to have somebody to meet somebody to have somebody you know to welcome them into the home you know to have like s- people to plan and have some bit of, of of normal normalcy that's why he brings out the the good glasses and the good drink, the bottles, just to break, like, you know, meeting people. Meeting somebody, somebody to form a plan, to get out, to help his daughter, to help him. Hannah.
0: And we'll never be safe in the cities. The soldiers could keep us safe.
1: When we meet Hannah, she's a bit reserved. Like, she doesn't trust anybody. She's almost like a mini Selena, where she's just very calm, very direct, and very honest. And, you know, Selena is a ch- No, Selena. Hannah. Hannah is a child, like even though she's sixteen or fifteen, I don't remember what the age if they even said her age, but she just seems very honest and blunt, and we all know that children are very honest and blunt. They will say the first thing that's on their mind because children haven't developed the filter that we as adults have. So her character is very very blunt very like just like this is what we have to do we're gonna do it and you know very just like he's the one that convinces them to get out of the city and, and so forth it's just, like even she's just like very like like clear okay another major character <laughs> no pun intended is major henry west
0: i'm major henry west welcome jim hello jim hello Well, we've got beds with clean sheets and a boiler that produces hot water, so you can all have a shower. You look like you need one. Please.
1: Now, for we meet West. Oh, and West is played by the great C- Christopher Eccleson, who has had many parts, but I will always know, know him as the Ninth Doctor because I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. West isn't the typical he's he's a he's a soldier he's a major but he's very calm very stable and he's he's like a father to his soldiers he basically will do anything to protect his boys that's what he says at the end his boys he doesn't see them as soldiers he sees them as his kids And he will protect them. And his way of protecting them is to give them this promise. This malicious promise that is very terrible. And we'll get to that later. But he is not your typical soldier that we usually see in these kind of films. He's not overbearing. He's not demanding. He is just very calm. He's not even manipulative. He's just very calm very caring in a way he just wants to take care of his men or as he says his boys because that's what that is his mission that is his job he wants to look out for them so i'm gonna okay before we take a break i gotta bring up the soldiers now all the soldiers um pharaoh mitchell jones clifton bell belford davis and Menner's there, but he's not. He's an infected person. So, but all those soldiers just in the first glance after Jim, Selena, and Hannah, you know, are suddenly into the place. You could just tell when they're right there playing around in the, with the car, with Hannah's dad, with Frank's car. You could just tell that they had this sort of fat fraternity feel to them. And we see that they already, like it's already been the cut of the litter. Like there's the ones that are tough as nails and then there are ones that are weak. The ones that are weak is Jim, you know, sorry, it's, it's Jones. He is the one that is pushed around and basically made, they make him take like the female role of the group. While everybody, for all the other ones are just very, very toxic masculinity. And we'll get to that in a bit. But we're going to take a small break right now, and when they come back we will go deeper into this. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Me and Hannah do need you more than you need us. Look, that, that's I a, did. That's okay. It's the truth. I can't leave the block if it's just the two of us. Something might happen to me. Hannah be alone. I couldn't risk it. With other people, if it's a recording, for all we know, the soldiers who made it are dead.
1: And we're back talking about 28 days later. Now, before we go into the deep dive, my thoughts on the film. So, this was directed by Danny Boyle, who had previously had directed Train Spotting and a bunch of other films that I won't go into too detail. But it was during the making of his previous film, The Beach. Along with writer Alex Garland, the two were discussing on set about zombies and each of them had a desire to make a a zombie film so they started collaborating on how to make a film and their love for the previous films of the George Romero's Dead trilogy and with the resurgence of zombies in video games like Resident Evil, they started thinking up ways to do something with the With the zombie film, more detail into that later on. But just the film itself, I mean, with the way that uh, Boyle was able to direct. I mean, like his. uh, I have not seen the beach. I have seen Train Spotting. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I've seen it a lot. And that is one of my favorite films. And this film was kind of like a a coming on age story in a horror setting. Because there's a lot of themes in there. And I'll get to those in a few moments. But just the way that um, Boyle's direction was with the film and with the storytelling of Alex Carlin, it was a very um, compelling story. Now, as to say, as a story self in general, it is nothing new. It is basically the same thing that we see in the zombies films all over the place, like people getting infected, being chased around apocalyptic ending survivors trying to live one day to the next it was a pretty good solid story and i really did like it i like the characters a whole lot and i'll get uh, more into depth about that in a few moments but all in all like i give this film a three i'll give it a three because it wasn't that bad wasn't that good it's not something i haven't seen before I mean, this was the first time that I saw this film, so it was very good, but I do notice that, like, it just really didn't resonate with me that well. Maybe if I saw the film so much more earlier when it was released, and maybe, like, more later on down the line, it would have more significance to me, but it is a great watch. So, I do like it. Overall, I do like it. I just don't see it that high and mighty. But, now, going to the deep dives that I've been mentioning, I do see the structures of it all. Especially when it comes to, like, finding, like, a surrogate family and father figures. Now, I totally, like, saw the implications of a surrogate family. The way Jim builds a commodity with, um... With the following people, you know, Frank, Hannah, Selena, and Henry West, the ma- sorry, major Henry West. So it was there, like him going from one family to another, you know, trying to find his place and everything. So that really left a, I really didn't notice that. But it wasn't until I saw a YouTube review about father figures that I realized that shit, like I see it more in that there, I see that more of a searching for a father figure or a surrogate father to Jim, because Jim is the main protagonist of this film, and we are looking through the world through Jim's eyes as he wakes up to find himself in a new world than what he went than what it was before his coma, and waking up to see that his parents had peacefully committed suicide, leaving him sort of orphaned and abandoned even though he is not an adult he really wasn't much of an adult because he wasn't living a sort of a he was still living a a a sheltered life he was still living at home he wasn't he he was a bike messenger so he didn't really have much of a career or ambitions he was just getting by by what he had and he was fine with that It had to take, you know, an apocalyptic ending and the loss of his parents to kind of make him grow up. But he was still somewhat optimistic in the sense where when he when he meets Selena and Mark and they tell him about the situation, he's still optimistic about it, that the government will do something. Even when they tell him that the government's not going to do nothing or that there is no government, he still believes that there is a government and there is going to be something. That there is going to be a cure, so he is still optimistic about that, and little by little he just starts somewhat losing hope, but always, always finding it and finding his optimism again. And we see that when he meets a uh, Frank, who is a uh, father to Selina, who who gladly welcomes him into their apartment building, shares the finest drink that they have, and they go. You know, they go off, you know, to that military, um, checkpoint or base to a CN. Like he sees Frank as his second father, especially when they're camping out in the woods and Jim is having that nightmare and he's scared. And Frank notices, you know, like Jim's struggling in his sleep and he, you know, assures him that he is safe. And of course, Jim calls him dad, believing that it's his dad.
0: You're having a bad dream, that's all. Thanks, dad.
1: But it's Frank, but still, like, you know, he feels that sense of of he has a new father. And he feels safe and sound. But then, you know, when Frank gets infected... And he has to make a choice whether to kill his father, well, to kill Frank or not. Someone who he just come to see as a as a new father. Um, totally like he struggles with it, and the choice is taken out of his hands when the soldiers come and kill him, kill Frank. And then Jim meets his third father figure, which is in the form of Major Henry West, who basically welcomes Jim, Selena and Hannah into the mansion, into their base, shows them around. Like he's again, unlike other military figures in other films, Henry West is very calm, very open, very understanding. He's not the typical military figure that's on edge, like hair triggered, like, you know, in your face, degrading and just foul mouth. No, he's very like, Assurance and Jim takes the disc. He sees another fodder figure in Major West.
0: So you heard our broadcast? Yeah, we did. We must be a disappointment. You were hoping for a full brigade, an army base with helicopters and a field hospital. I just hoping for the answer to infection. Yeah. Well, as i said before it's here though it may not be quite what you imagined just feel very lucky to have found you you were lucky the fire drove hundreds of infected out of manchester the surrounding areas teeming with them but don't worry
1: you're quite safe here it is not till henry tells jim about their plans for selena and hannah that Jim feels a bit of betrayal
0: from West. Eight days ago, I found Jones with his gun in his mouth. He said he was going to kill himself because there was no future. What could I say to him? We fight off the infected or we wait until they starve to death and then what? What do nine men do except wait to die themselves? I moved us from the blockade. I set the radio broadcasting and I promised them women. Because women mean a future.
1: Especially when Wes gives him the chance to join them. Jim, you know, rejects it in disgust. And it is then that, you know, Jim, like, after he escapes being killed, that he realizes that, like, He has to man up. He has to realize that, you know, he has to take charge of his life. He can't just be jumping from one surrogate family to another. He basically, well, not just a surrogate family to another, but a surrogate father. Like, he has to realize that, like, he himself is now going to be a father figure to Hannah. So he just can't, he just can't stand by and let Hannah be raped. He also can't stand by and let Selena be raped. Because Selena is somebody that he's slowly falling for. Or maybe he fell for her right when he met her. We don't know. But Selena started opening up to Jim more. So Jim realizes that like he has to take action. He has to man up. And he has to get in touch with his inner rage to save the woman he loves and his surrogate daughter. It's not implied that he sees her as a daughter, but that is what the whole—that is what I saw when it was pointed out to me about father figures. That's what I saw in Jim in the second viewing of the film. He really had to like man up and take charge, and that is what he did. He basically got a plan. He went through it, and he rescued the women. And again, like West wasn't like he was upset. He was angry. But again, as opposed to other typical military figures in films as these, he wasn't over the top. He wasn't completely angry. He wasn't just shooting at anything. I mean, yes, he shot Jim. But the way he said it, the way he calmly you he shot my boys and then he shoots him. It's very boom-like, whoa. So, that is where I get the idea. Or, for I see the whole insights of a father figures and a family. If um, you have um, your own ideas about that, please let me know. Go ahead and um, leave a comments. Now, let's go into the Hope and Lost. Now, Selena and Hannah both... In this film, have experienced more loss than Jim has because they were awake throughout those 28 days while Jim was asleep. So Selena lost more. She lost her family. Now we don't get much of a backstory. Um, Naomi Harris had to develop her own backstory to, um, to find out, to basically get into character and realize that what made Selena Hard. What made her driven, what made her lose hope and just only is to survive. And I forgot what the backstory she made up for. But there was a reason why she was so keen just to leave anybody behind because she had no hope. Everybody that she was with, she lost. And she was just so used to it. Even Hannah, when we meet Hannah in the film, she is very against selena and jim being in the apartment and it really doesn't welcome them much and like she was going to give them like just the regular cups until her father told her her told her to get the good cups to get the good glassware to celebrate and even when they were planning to leave it was hannah was the one that in a dry deadpan voice just you know said that like you know well you think you think that we don't need you but we don't and you need us more than we need you. So, so it was basically Hannah is what like convinced them to leave. And she was just very, even though she was a child of 16 or 15, she was very like in that stage where she had already experienced loss. And she was almost like Selena where there was just no hope. Like it's just like every person for themselves, Hannah was getting there. But when we see scenes of them in the like driving the car through the tunnel and them all everybody having fun, you start seeing like the bonding between Hannah and Selena along with Jim and Frank. You see that the barriers start coming down and we see it more in the when they go into the grocery store and they are basically all coming together, shopping, discussing what foods to get. Even Frank and Jim are discussing like, you know, what kind of wine and brandy and Hannah and Selena are just like going through all like the fruits and aisles just to see like what to get and that they don't have to eat chocolate. And when they go to the field to have the picnic, you see all those boundaries that they all put up are down and they are just as a family picnic. They're there. They experience hope. Even Selena, like, starts to let Jim in even more.
0: I was thinking I was wrong. But oh, well. Wow. All the death. All the shit. It doesn't really mean anything to Frank and Hannah because... Well, she's got a dad and he's got his daughter, so... Shaky monkey. I was wrong when I said that staying alive is as
1: good as it gets. And I don't remember if this is the part where she kissed him or if it was... I know she kissed him twice before the end. But she did kiss him. Like, she did find find herself, you know, realizing that she doesn't have to be alone. She doesn't just have to leave people behind and slow her down. So, she started getting more hopeful along with Hannah. Now... I come to this part, of this next segment, well this next, um, on my outline here, the toxic masculinity of this film, which is very terrible and awful, and this happens in the third act when we meet the soldiers and Henry West. Again, West is a bad person, but he's not all bad. If he was a complete bad person, he would have complete disregard for anybody that walked in through those doors. And he would be all gun ho like his men. But he is not because he sees his mission. He sees his men as his sons. And like any father, he's willing to do anything to protect his sons. And that is where he is a bad person. Because he is willing to let these men rape a woman and a child and he justifies it that he is doing this so that way his men can live on that the future can survive and this is very like again like toxic masculinity like you know like all these soldiers like he lets them run he keeps them in line but they still run wild and they basically pick on the weakest of the bunch, which is Jones. And he's okay with it. He is okay because at least his boys are alive as he sees them. His children are alive and they're striving. And he knows that the only way that there could be a future as if they do these terrible things to Selena and Hannah. And that is so very wrong. And... But he doesn't see it as wrong. He sees it as their. As how they can continue. How they could survive. That their survival. That the only way for them to survive. Is if they revert back to that. Whole. Basically. Oh that I heard it in, in another podcast. Where they wanted to go foo Handmaidens Tale on these women. And the handmaidens is A series and a book they have not read. Or seen. But. That's basically what the premise of, of those books and series is. And this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to make a society where women were only just used for sex and food and cooking. That's what I mean by food. And that is where, that is where it's just completely wrong in a sense. He was wrong to say that to to keep his men alive, he was wrong to even put that out there. He cared about his men, but he went about it the wrong way. And for him to promise this, for him to go through with this, makes him an evil person. Not evil in a sense where just to his actions, the fact that he's going to turn a blind eye to what his men are going to do, what he's going to do. Because he believes that this is the way to go. This is a terrible thing and the implications and the moral morality of it is just completely wrong. The way he justifies it and the way he sees it is that this is the only way there could be a future. And he, like all the soldiers die viciously at the end because of this thinking. And he, even, even when all his men are dead, he, again, like a not, he, like a, un, he is not the typical soldier that we usually see in the films, where that are, again, that are over the top, that are cursing, that are putting down their subordinates. He is very calm and collected, but he still gets his comeuppance when he is killed by Miller at the end. So they all got what they deserve for their thinking, for their way of thinking. That's what I mean. And it's terrible because when we look at some of our society today, especially like in other parts of the world, how women are treated and how they're just, you know, not given much, you know, sense of justice or even an education, especially like in the Middle East or I got like, I don't, It's just terrible. It's just like really is terrible. And the way that this film reflected it back in 2003, just in that once, just in that third act, it's just scary. Like that is a true horror in itself. The way that, you know, people act or that people think they need to survive. It's just terrible and horrible. And this is something that always is in. Almost every apocalyptic film or zombie film. That the, the zombies or the creatures that are out there aren't the purest set of evil. It's humanity. It's the way that everything is. That how like people succumb to their most primal and malicious things. And wow. When I first saw that, I was just like taken aback, like wow, they're going to do this, that they're going to, they went there, like, it's just a terrible thing, and it just, like, the way it, like, reflects some parts of the world, and even here in our home country, it's just terrible, but those are my thoughts on it. Now, overall, going back to Jim and him growing up and overcoming everything you know at the end it's all just his coming of age because he starts off the film as somewhat scared and alone not knowing what has happened literally and then having to like go through different father figures in order for him to grow up and overcome everything and through that through all of that he still had a bit of optimism in him and at the end of the film that I like to call the epilogue with them, you know, getting the, the sheets, the, like sewing a big sign that says hello for like the jet that flies over. You could still, still see he has the optimism in him that the events that happened at the base didn't break him. Like they made him, they forced him to grow up and accept responsibility and he still came out. You know, not some grizzled, hopeless, bitter person. He came out still hopeful, hope for the future, hope that he'll have a future with Selena, and he has hope that Hannah will be a good person and set and set a good example for her. So that's my thoughts on the whole arc of Jim growing up and overcoming. Now one last thing I have to say is that the debate of is this a zombie film? Now there's this this debate has been going on for a long time since since this came out because these people run fast and they're not dead, and zombies in most zombie films the the zombies are undead. But if you look at it from other points of views. Like the term zombie, like just the idea of a zombie, she reflects somebody that is mindless and just goes with the herd that just, you know, has no control over their functions and just goes about to their primal instincts. And this is what uh, these people are. They are zombies. Like they may not be uh, uh, the dead zombies, but they are zombies in a sense where they lost complete control of their mind, and they just reverted back to their own human nature, and that's basically what. Um, that's basically why some people still refer to this as a zombie film. Others say it's an infected film. Others say that it's not a zombie film. I mean, we all have our thoughts on what the definition of a zombie is. Um, I like to throw my hat in there and just say that this is a zombie film. This, in my opinion, is a zombie film. So, my final thoughts on the overall of this film, like I said in my um review, it's an okay. It got me thinking. It got me thinking a lot on the way that the world is. That how this structure and just everything about it in general it wasn't it wasn't a bad film, it wasn't a good film. It was a three. I give it a three. Cause it was very enjoyable at every watch. It was too long. I mean, but there was so much in there that I don't think ninety minutes would have given this justice. Because this film was basically in three parts. In fact, somebody uh, I think the Bloodbath and Beyond um YouTube channel, I think yeah, it was them that they said that this was kind of like, um, the first part was Night of the Living Dead, the second part was Dawn of the Dead, and the third part was Day of the Dead, because of the military base. And I'm gonna have to agree with them. This film was like all three, all three Romero films in one. And it's very, it's like every time they were on the road, or they. They're like going from one place to another. It's like the end of one chapter and going on to the other. And the final epilogue is where they're in the field. And they are waiting for that plane to see if it will come down. So overall, this is a good film. It's a good watch. It took me 20 years to see this. And I'm kind of glad I finally saw it. I could finally put this... In the books say that I finally saw 28 days later. So those are my final thoughts on this film. Now shout outs. So on January 29th here in Laredo, Texas at the Contruda Beer Garden, we're going to have a fashion show presented by my friends Alejandro Antini. They got their models. They're going to have free drinks, well free wine and free snacks. So if you're in the area, stop by. Tickets are only ten dollars, but you're gonna get free wine and free appetizers. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good place. The show won't won't be that long, and there's a lot of food food trucks in the area, so you can always eat, drink, and be merry. So there's that. On February 11th, presented by Night Creature Productions at the Cold Brew. Um, bar, sorry, the cold brew bar. Uh, my good friend, mr Cynthia is presenting her worship event, which is a fetish event for everybody that wants to learn about the kinks. They're kinks with wax, whips, chains, any kind of SM, any fetish that you like. I don't think they have, I don't think they're going to offer golden showers. But they're going to offer a variety of kinks, and there's going to be a couple seminar before the event begins. So that is going to be on February 11th, sorry, February 11th at the Cobro Rock Bar in Laredo, Texas. And finally, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our friends over at the Introverted Poets podcast hosted by Eliana Jade. It's, it's the podcast for the shy poet. If you have a story to say, but you want to remain anonymous, you can go ahead and submit it to them and they will read your story and not give out your name. You can use a pen name and there's a lot of good stories. Lately, they have their spectacular event where they're sharing a whole bunch of ghost stories between writers and creators and experiences. So go ahead and check them out. It's the Introverted Poet podcast. You can find it anywhere. For you, to hear your podcast. And finally, I would like to say that thou, the living dead, will not be with us. She had; she was presented with a great opportunity, and I'm not one to stand in her way. I wish her the very best of luck. She was fun. I enjoyed her company. And I hope that we could record again someday down the line. But in your new opportunities, in your new career, I hope, not hope, you're going to do great. You're a great artist. You're a great person. You have so much fun. And good luck to you, my friend. And with that, we bring this episode to a close. So our next episode I will be talking... Well, let's see what happens in the next episode. I don't want to say something and not follow through with it. So next episode, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll have another... Maybe I'll get a new co-host. Maybe there'll be a guest. We'll see what's up. But the show must go on. This carnival ride will keep on going no matter what. Even if... You know, I'm not, I don't do this to be famous or anything. I just do it because I love talking about films. And if good stuff happens along the way, that's great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Either way, I'm still going to be talking about films. I'm still going to deep dive into films. And I'm just going to have fun doing it. Thank you, everybody that listens to the podcast. I appreciate everybody that listens and supports us. Any feedback would be nice. Any thoughts on our previous reviews or current reviews or any questions you have, go ahead and um, email us at troglodytehacf at gmail.com. I'm Loki Jesse saying goodnight, love is love, and hover is horror.